I love that people feel safe enough to be that vulnerable in my space. Um, mm-hmm. And I will protect that space with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the community I want to build, not just in my discord, but in my viewership. I want when you come into my chat to feel like you just walked into a room of your best friends and we could just talk about whatever. Because so many streamers have like a whole bunch of rules, right, that are super shitty Mm -hmm. and coded heavily for protecting whiteness. Yes. I'm just going to be real. You're shitty. Hey, big streamers who say no politics, fuck you. Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Every three weeks, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss one of the games that made them and changed them, and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. So pull up an armchair, feel free to lie down on the couch, and let's talk about our feelings. Spencer, what are you playing? I'm glad you asked, Jamie. I Well, it's not very surprising, but I'm continuing to play Ghost of Tsushima. Um, Unfortunately, I turned to Ghost of Tsushima in a place of... I was was very exhausted this weekend. Uh, We actually had a very jam-packed weekend, you and I, of some interviewing some really cool people. Um, Very cool people. But I'm like an introvert and I'm pretty like quiet uh, when I'm alone. And so I felt like I needed to sort of just retreat, get taught, pet some foxes, like take a peaceful ride with Nobu among some deer. Mm. Um, and I got to say, so I just got to the end of Act 2. And let me say first here, just some very mild story, emotion spoilers um if you're someone who doesn't want to know anything at all about ghost of tsushima um, feel free to jump ahead a couple 15 30 seconds but essentially oh my god end of act two <laughs> <laughs> there's a blow there there's, there's a, a blow, blow. I... okay listen jen i think the more that i've played ghost um like Yes, the game itself functionally is pretty straightforward. You know, you're you're fighting Mongols, you're leveling up, uh, you're unlocking weapons and armor. Um, but I, I really find the narrative, the mu- the combination of the music, uh, the narrative structure, uh, and the acting, to be honest, like I find it to be a, a very emotionally riveting story. And I, I've really invested in Jin as a character. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I guess... I'm used to playing silent protagonists and I have a very active imagination. So I, I usually apply very rich uh, character backgrounds on onto folks that I play. Um, and while Jin isn't necessarily a silent hero, um, he is very stoic, but there's something about him that I just find very emotionally rich. Like I, I mm-hmm. find him very earnest, um, very mm-hmm. gentle. Um, yeah. He's a very, he really speaks with his eyes. Like you can really feel the the burning intensity inside of this man. Um, and I like the way that he is sort of defining masculinity for himself, defining uh, power for himself. I, I find for me personally, this story of, um, you know, not really 
knowing who your father was and and having who he was told to you through the perspectives of other people mm-hmm. um, who you then learn maybe were biased in, in how they spoke of this person. And, and it's up mm-hmm. to you to, to, to find that peace uh, with yourself. Like, I don't know. I find him very relatable um, both mm-hmm. as a trans masculine person, as an Asian person, as a, you know, there are lots of stereotypes about um, about Asian men, about being submissive or, or being weak. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that it, this game is a great reminder that, you know, kindness and strength, um, just because someone's quiet or just because someone um, isn't the loudest or biggest person in the room doesn't mean they're not strong and, and powerful. Yeah. I don't know. I love this guy. I love me some Jin Sakai. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what about you? What are what are you playing? Uh, well, I did finish Ghost of Tsushima this week, um, and I really enjoyed it. I think mm-hmm. we want to probably have a deeper conversation about that when we both finished it, because I don't want to yeah. spoil you mm-hmm. uh, or anyone for that matter. Um, and actually, last night I uh, cleaned up uh, the last of the trophies and got the platinum. Nice. I, I primarily play on PlayStation, uh, and I do like to go for plat. I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm an avid trophy hunter, but if I like a game, mm-hmm. I like to get the platinum in it. So I did do that. Uh, it's a really fun platinum experience for anybody who's into that kind of a thing. It's not too difficult. Um, feels rewarding, and uh, you, you do get some cool armor for getting mm. the platinum. So. Do you have like a strategy for going for platinum? Like I've never attempted that myself. I'm very much, a, I'm mm-hmm. in it for the story type of player, mm-hmm. but like what's your sort of drive behind going for platinum? Yeah. I mean, my drive, uh, part of it is probably like just the collection, collectathoniness of mm-hmm. it, of like having it and feeling like the game is fully completed mm-hmm. um, and, and feeling like I've done uh, you know, when, when you have a good platinum, I think, uh, it usually the trophies are set up in such a way that it's encouraging you to experience the full breadth of the game, uh, especially with an open world game. If you are getting the platinum, then theoretically you've seen a lot of the, the magic mm. that the developers have hidden within mm. the world. It's, you know, the trophies are set up to encourage you to go find that kind of stuff when it's a good trophy list. There aren't always good trophy lists, but when it is, I think it's really getting you to experience the fullness of what the game has to offer. And especially when I like a game, like it's cool to see that fullness. But in terms of strategy and how I go about it, usually uh, when I start a game, um, I'll just look up the trophy guide for it. And most trophy guides will, at the very beginning of it, have a very uh, high-level like overview of how you would go about the trophy. It also rank the difficulty of the trophy, how long it takes to get the trophy, that kind of stuff. And I'll kind of decide based on that if I'm even interested in getting the trophy. Mm. Um, so if it's like a really difficult trophy guide, I'm like, okay, if, if I super-duper love this game and I want to challenge myself that way, maybe I'll go for it, but I'm going to put this aside for now. Um, if it's it seems attainable, if it seems like it's not going to be a ridiculous hour investment, then I'll kind of look through the overview and see what they recommend. The trophies I, or the trophy the platinums I go for the most frequently are the ones where you get to play through the game initially without worrying about trophies. I think it does kind of ruin the experience for me to be really stressing about getting trophies while I'm playing the game because uh, then you can kind of just turn the whole thing into following a guide really closely or. Uh, I don't know. You're just, it takes you out of the experience of the game. So yeah, I can see that's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, And a lot of games, especially open world games, uh, usually there aren't 
uh, missable trophies. That's kind of, you know, those guides will tell you if there's any missable trophies. And usually if there aren't, um, and I can play through the game initially and just experience it and then do either a second playthrough or like a cleanup at the end of the game. Uh, those are the ones I tend to go for the most because mm-hmm. then it's just a reason to spend more time with the game and see more of it. Um, yeah. yeah, I love what you said about um, the trophies being a way to appreciate like all of the magic that the devs have set up because it's mm-hmm. so true. Like you can get so caught up in in rushing through in the heat of the moment when you're in a game. Like I, I say that as someone who is very fired up in, in Act Three of of Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. um, but you know there is this rich rich world where everything has been placed just so by up to like hundreds sometimes of people working tirelessly for months so yeah i can see trophies uh platinuming games is a great way to to just appreciate that yeah for sure um so then with that with the platinum behind me uh i've been playing uh tell me why which is don't nod's new episodic narrative game uh, that just released on Xbox. I'm not usually an Xbox gamer, but we do have an Xbox in the house. So I booted it up, spent about two hours installing updates and uh, (laughs) downloaded Tell Me Why uh, through Games Pass, which, you know, I'm not an Xbox gamer, but I... Games Pass really is a hell of a deal. Mm. I was able to get the first month of it for a dollar. So basically, I've got access to this full Tell Me Why game for a dollar. And if you... Don't know anything about Tell Me Why uh, or Don't Nod. Don't Nod created the Life is Strange series. Uh, they have two uh, games before this. They're all episodic, meaning that they periodically release a two to three hour uh, narrative episode of the game. And then the stories continued in, across further episodes. The first two seasons, um, both centered on young folks who suddenly find they have uh, some sort of supernatural ability and how that impacts their lives. Tell me why it's not technically a, a Life is Strange game, but it has that the same elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about um, a t- twin brother and sister. The brother is a trans man, uh, and they had a traumatic experience in their childhood that resulted in the brother being... Um, sent away to juvenile detention facility for about 10 years Mm -hmm. and they've just reconnected their the source of their traumatic experience resulted in the uh, murder of their mother Mm -hmm. and uh, they are going back to their hometown to clean out their mother's house uh, now a decade after the events and they realize in the process that they have this ability to uh, share memories and re-experience memories from their childhood. So that's kind of the supernatural element and the, mm-hmm. the setup for the story. And Spencer, we actually, so I've played the whole first episode, but we actually played the first hour <laughs> of the first episode together. Um, and uh, yeah, what was, your, what was your initial take on, on watching that hour of the game? Yeah, no, it was really fun because I, uh, I, I had, have not played Xbox for a while. Sorry, Microsoft. But um, when Jamie said, when you said, I have an Xbox, I was like, well, I'm coming over. Masks <laughs> were worn. Yes, masks were um, But yeah, I was excited to read about Tell Me Why um, because Tyler Ronan, the uh, main character, uh, was played by August Black, uh, who did the the voice acting as well as the motion capture for Tyler. Um, so it was really awesome to see um, a trans masculine actor um, playing this character and to hear that it was um, developed and 
in conjunction with a uh, collaboration from GLAAD. Um, and so I was really looking forward to the story. Um, I think, too, I came into it with a little trepidation just because um, all we knew going into the first episode was just that uh, it was heavily implied um, that, I mean, I guess this is mild spoilers for anyone who hasn't played more than like 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the story opens heavily implying that Tyler, uh, after cutting his hair as a child, um, incited um, violence from his mother who attacked him um, because of his gender identity. Um, and then that resulted in her being stabbed to death. And so in self-defense, um, you know, it's, uh, that's just something, uh, like, I think in general, when we talk about, um, violence, uh, in trans media, like, uh, we often are referring to things like being misgendered and, um, facing, uh, harassment, um, uh, being villainized, um, like all stereotypes, uh, that, uh, become exacerbated, uh, in a, in a, in a video game or, or movie telling. Um, and so, I think part of me too was just sort of reacting to, um, you know, the trans masculine experience itself isn't really talked about a lot in the mainstream. Um, like really the, like if you, if you go on Wikipedia and look up uh, trans representation in films, like uh, when you look at the list of trans masculine representation in films, there's like six bullet points. When you look at the list for trans feminine um, representation in film, you see, hundreds of titles. And that's not to say that, um, you know, we shouldn't be highlighting the experiences of trans women. Like we definitely need to uplift um, Mm -hmm. the voices and stories and experiences of trans women, especially black and brown trans women. Um, But what I, what I am saying here is that I, I just feel like there is woefully little um, for trans masculine folks to look to, to see ourselves. And when the very little that we do have, um, is mired in the kind of violence that we see uh, at in at home in our in our families, um, and sort of sensationalized in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, made this very dramatic opening for a video game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it can be a little painful. And I I'm not at all like I have enjoyed the the very the first hour that we played together. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I, like I said earlier, I'm super excited about, that this game exists and that there is more to come. Um, like I, I want to be 100% clear that I know that there are two more chapters coming um, and I'm, I'm ex- very excited to see where they take this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not on any one trans male character to carry the narratives for all of us. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, this will hopefully open the doors for more Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just i think too i'm coming from a very personal place um yeah uh my relationship with my own mother was was very much strained by my initial coming out um and so i'm bringing my own lived experience and perspective into that um but yeah i found that uh you know it's very rare that you get an opportunity to just fully step into the perspective of, I mean, I, I can't, like this is as the media around it has proclaimed, like the very first um, AAA title to have a playable trans main character. And, and that mm-hmm. in itself uh, is an awesome victory. And I'm, I think um, that August has done an awesome job um, with his own 
contributions to the writing and acting of this character. And yeah. I'm, I'm very, very excited to continue playing it or to watch you play it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, having finished the first chapter, um, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel... Yeah, when we stopped after the hour that we played together and you were kind of sharing some of what you were thinking with me, I couldn't help but agree. And um, I don't want to get into spoilers here now. I think we want to finish the game and then maybe have a deeper conversation about it. But I did finish the first chapter over the weekend and um, it does seem to be setting up a narrative that, uh, again, uh, if you don't want to know anything at all about what's going on with Tell Me Why, then, then dip out for about 20 seconds. But I'll just say that at the end of the first chapter, you do learn that kind of the narrative that was initially set up in the first hour um, is not exactly what we're going to get moving forward, that that things have been misunderstood. Um, and, and now we're actually going to try to try to learn more about the history of this traumatic event that occurred between this brother and sister um, and that it that it isn't as it. Everything isn't as it initially seemed. Dun, dun, um, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. I do think uh, Don't Nod as a developer, um, their games, there's always something in them that's, that feels a little bit hokey and <laughs> stilted slightly. Like it doesn't feel exactly like true human interaction, but they do mm-hmm. something uh, special that I don't think a lot of other games do. And they do seem to be trying to bring narratives uh to the forefront to the triple a space um that you don't see told in that space very often mm. and in a lot of ways i just kind of wish they didn't think that they and, and that i refer i'm saying this about even life is strange seasons one and two as well they're the narratives always have to center around uh violence mm. and and trauma and i Maybe this just isn't what AAA games are ever going to be, but it would be interesting to see stories like this told about um, about identities that are subordinated uh, that don't have to center them in in like dramatic trauma to mm-hmm. make them interesting to a mainstream audience or to mm-hmm. use that as a hook to draw people in. Um, because I would be just as interested in Tyler's story if he hadn't been accused of the murder of his mother. Yes. Thank yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna talk about more. We're gonna talk about that more uh in a future episode, I'm <laughs> sure. But now we don't want to delay any longer. We want to get you into the interview that we have this week. Uh the amazing zombie kills. Uh, came and chatted with us and Spencer and I were just completely enamored with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's, I just felt myself feeling the whole time we were having this conversation. Like I wanted to stop recording, get up and go out and like do something. Mm -hmm. She is, she's so inspirational. Mm -hmm. Um, She's just the way she talks about games and the way she thinks of games and the way she thinks about community organizing and the way she kind of knits all of that together. Um, it was really, really powerful stuff uh, that I felt very moved by. And uh, she kind of made me want to go play Ark Survival Evolved, which I'm <laughs> not a survival game person at all. Um, and I'm sorry, Zombie, I probably won't go play it because I don't know that I have the time investment for 30 <laughs> days of raising a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But I did almost want to go play it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, we had just met we just met Zombe uh, during this interview call, but 
in that as soon as I started talking to her, I felt like she was someone that I had been friends with for a while. Like mm. we were really able to like the many different ways she thinks about games, the way that she applies her love of games, how she thinks about parenting, how she thinks about community is just really, really awesome. And I think mm-hmm. exactly what the kind of the kind of ideas that we want to celebrate on this podcast. Um, and, you know, uh, before she got into streaming, um, Zombie had a uh, long a continuing career as a, a community jail reform activist right in her uh, home of Mississippi. Um, she'll talk about that too. And I just think that this is an awesome first episode that I'm very excited to share with everybody. Super excited. So without further ado, here's our interview with Zombie Kills. Zombie Kills, thank you so much for joining us in the virtual Pixel Therapy Studio. Uh, Zombie, do you want to maybe introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Zombie Kills. I am a uh, local, big, fat, black, chaotic content creator. I'm also an activist and a mama. Um, I primarily focus on creating content around whatever I'm feeling at the moment and being transparent. Uh, which is like a new approach, I guess, to streaming because, you know, it's mm. a very manufactured and well, the Internet's just manufactured in general. But uh, mm. yeah, I try to make content about things that I feel like are important and touch on important issues. Maybe it's parenting one day and, you know, breaking cycles of abuse or, you know, trying to detrain ourselves from ways of thought that are incredibly ineffective. Or maybe it's prison reform or maybe it's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, your vagina. Who knows? Whatever you feel mm-hmm. like talking about in my chat, we could talk about, and, you know, maybe we'll play some games at a C plus level. So <laughs> that's pretty much me, though. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love to hear you say that. Um, like part of the reason this podcast exists, I mean, most of the reason this podcast exists is um, because, uh, so Jamie and I um, have been playing games for a long, long time. And it's something that we've, like our fa- our friendship is built on um, discussing games together and, and things we like and our hobbies. And, um, but we rarely see ourselves reflected in the media uh, or community surrounding gaming. Um, I'm a trans person. I'm a Filipinx uh, person, uh, mixed race. And um, I'm Filipino too. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so my my dad's black and Filipino and and my mom's a white Irish woman. So, yeah. Okay. I, oh my God. I'm half Filipino, half Irish. What? what? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my God. We got this Kababaya on action up in here. Love okay. It. Love it. Okay. Amazing. Well, so, you know, we just, we, we want to hear from people who, um, you know, we can share, we can relate to, share experiences with. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily identify as a gamer, but I, I love games. And so I'd love to hear from you, um, like, what's your history with video games? I've been playing video games as far as I can remember. Um, I started out on Atari, just in case you were wondering how incredibly old <laughs> I am. Uh, I started out on Atari, uh, you know, I played Pong. I uh, did. A, I played so many games, but Burger Time was like my first big game that I played that I loved that made me, I guess, a gamer. And uh, games have just been this thing. My parents loved playing games with me growing up. So that was really cool, you know, because not everybody has yeah. parents that game with them. Like, and my parents were young enough and cool enough that playing games was just part of our life and part of our mm-hmm. culture. And then I was always kind of a tomboy, you know, I guess, mm-hmm. which, which I, I don't know if I like the term tomboy so much uh, because it's 
that's a little problematic. But, you know, I'm a child of the 80s, so we're just going to go with that. But, yeah, I was I was always very like all my friends were all males. um, And so I always wanted to hang around them and play video games. And in the 80s, you know, they were really enforcing the girls play with dolls and boys play video games. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys know that the 80s were trash. Um, Mm -hmm. So pretty much at that point, (laughs) like everything I did was considered male oriented. I, you know, Mm -hmm. rode a skateboard. I played video games. I watched Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters and asked for those toys growing up. And uh, I also did pageants. So it was a very weird dichotomy. I was a pageant kid. like Little Miss Maryland, 1989. Oh, wow. oh. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so what I, was your talent? Uh, my talent was dance. I did uh, Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul, you know, yes. opposites attract and like, yes. stuff like that. Yes. Like I was, y'all, it was embarrassing, but mm. you know, that was like my life and gaming was just such a big part of like my community experience and how I mm. bonded with people and formed bonds. Like, so I think as I got older, that became how I made friends. Uh, and mm-hmm. now it's such a cool thing because, I mean, the internet makes you able to, I mean, you have this global reach of friendship now that's incredible. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be in the same room next to each other. And you can find the love of your life on the internet while playing a game, your next mm-hmm. best friend while playing a game. Or, I mean, it's it's wild, right? Like, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I've seen it go from in such a small amount of time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Playing video games with my pop, yeah, playing Mm -hmm. video games with my pop to now having people in Malaysia reach out to me about launching a game for them on the internet. Like, y'all, it's just wild. I mean, I just saw you streaming Samurai Jack for Cartoon Network. I mean, yeah, it's all over the place. It's so Um, great. That's a really good game. (laughs) Oh, my God. I. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima right now. So once I get through that, that's my next... the next next title. So Zombe, um, you had just spoken on community and that being a really important um, part of why you game. And um, recently you appeared on the A Lesson in Blackness reunion episode of Spawn on Me. And something you said that really stood out to me was um, you said, if I can focus on what's important to me and my community, that's what I'm going to do. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit more about the relationship between your community values and what you bring to streaming. So community was something when I first started streaming, I didn't have a big grasp on what it meant in the streaming world versus what it meant in my life. Because community is something that's important to me in my life as a person of color, as a black woman, um, especially living in the South, finding my community has been a safe spot in my existence. It's the very thing that has helped me thrive uh, in such an oppressive environment. Right. Mm -hmm. And When I came into streaming, I kind of thought community was all about like a bunch of people that wanted to watch you play games and like maybe they hung out with you because they found you moderately attractive and were weirdos. You know, Mm. (laughs) there's a a lot of that. There is a lot of that. But what I wanted to do was make a community of people that were able to see themselves reflected in the community because that is so hard uh, in streaming. Seeing big, fat, black people that are happy to be fat and happy to love themselves. Seeing the trans people in my community, like my best friend, Pikachu Lian, who is Mm -hmm. a great uh, trans streamer who I love so much. Um, Like seeing, you know, uh, 
people that are, you know, they're non-binary that are in my community, seeing people that are just, you know, thriving and being the best selves is what I've fostered and I've created. I've created a community where people can come in and they see themselves somewhere mm-hmm. in my community. Um, it's hard to do in gaming because I'm in like 75 discords. I'm just going to be real with you guys. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and in those 75 discords, I don't see myself in almost any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh most of them are these weird echo chambers of white cis maleness. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there's some white women in there, but the black girl gamers discord is probably the only place I've ever felt like I saw myself and mm. have been able to feel safe in. But my discord recommend, like, I don't know. It, it I see a rainbow of myself. I see myself through this like prismatic lens in my discord. And it's made me feel really happy and safe and comforted i can go in there uh, my friend died yesterday so i, I yeah. lost a friend of mine so i was uh, going through a huge uh, it was a very sudden accident so i was going through a huge mm. wave of grief yesterday and i have had a lot of loss in my life so i cope better than most people mm. it's unfortunate but i also have a really good therapist thank god shout out to my therapist <laughs> Mm-hmm. Jen. Jen. Therapy 2020, people. Yeah. Please, God, fix yourselves. We can all start <laughs> to heal a little bit. Um, but I was able to go on my Discord and be like, guys, I'm lost. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm lost. I'm upset. She was 23 years old. 23 wow. years old. You know, um, I could go in there and cry. Yeah. I can go in my Discord and literally get on a Discord call and cry, and people will get in there. We have somebody in our discord who is realizing that they are a trans person mm. um, and they are trying to walk through that right now. And I was so happy to see another trans person in my discord, pull them under their wing and say, wow. Hey, uh, do you want to talk about this? Or are you having these feelings and these thoughts? Like, do you need to like discuss moving you know, forward with this? And how do you feel comfortable? And do you need information? Same with people who needed therapy in my discord. There's somebody in my, discord who's been having serious issues with family and they were like hey what do you guys think about therapy and i was like oh baby let me tell you (laughs) therapy is great let's go and i love that people feel safe enough to be that vulnerable in my space um Mm -hmm. and i will protect that space with my life Mm -hmm. um and that's the community i want to build not just in my discord but in my viewership I want when you come into my chat to feel like you just walked into a room of your best friends and we could just mm-hmm. talk about whatever. Cause so many streamers have like a whole bunch of rules, right. That are super shitty mm-hmm. and coded heavily for protecting whiteness. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be real. Yeah. You're shitty. Yeah. Hey, big streamers who say no politics. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what does that yeah. mean? What's that mean? Oh, what it means mean? you don't, it means you don't want to talk about my blackness. It means you don't want to talk mm-hmm. about my friend's transness. It means you don't want to talk about my bisexuality. It means mm-hmm. you don't want to talk. Your streams are not safe spaces. You're just labeling yourselves as big old, not safe spaces. It's like a danger zone when I see that stuff. And, and uh, also, I yeah. Yeah. No, no, go, go, go. No, I just think it's also so clear that people who say no politics are also people who think of politics as something that they can opt in and opt out of. It's not. It's fantastic levels of privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, I'm super privileged. Like, Like, I'm just living through, I'm bebopping through life. Super privileged. Also, please donate to me, to my already privileged, uninformed life. And people be buying it. I mean, there are Mm. huge streamers and people keep supporting them. Y'all 
I don't if there's anything we could do in 2020 is defund asshole streamers. I would love mm-hmm. it. Let's defund and deplatform these idiots that think they can opt out of politics. Yes. Defund on every and platform. Defund on every platform, but in streaming in particular, because this mm-hmm. is the space I, I I'm yes. in the most right now. Yes. Defund cis white streamers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that aren't doing the work of allyship. If they're mm-hmm. allies, yes. let's give them a little money. Let's, let's help mm-hmm. them out. Yeah. <laughs> Boop them on the nose for doing a good job. But yeah, I, I, I think that I just want to foster the most strong and safe community I can. And I, and I want to empower my community. I want them to wield our community like as a, as a shield from mm-hmm. the shittiness of this world right now. Uh, we live in a world where my very existence is a threat. My very existence is being exterminated. My very existence is political. Um, And that's really sad. Um, And if somebody can slide into my stream and feel like they matter, their life matters, um, then I'm doing the right thing. Uh, and I'm changing my little corner of the world. It doesn't have to be big. I don't care if there's one person in my chat or there's 200 people in my chat. Um, I want to continue to, to grow a community of people that feel loved, whether we're talking about the dumb stuff, the fluff, as I call it, the fluff Mm -hmm. in the, or whether we're talking about the super serious issues and I bounce back and forth. I mean, I'm, I'm a human. I'm dichotomous. Like I, I can talk about the dumbest and fluffiest of things, but, I also add a lot of levity to a lot of situations that people normally don't find themselves adding levity mm. to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think that that comes from, like, as you mentioned earlier, you know, as marginalized people, um, we have to develop like a thick skin. We have to be able to take the grief that's handed to us and move through it and move past it. And I think that it's incredible that as someone who has experienced a lot of loss and grief and pain in your life, that you're able to you know, protect others, protect younger people, protect people who don't have support systems from having to go through the same thing. I think games are a place where I know that I've gone to be safe, to to be alone, to to escape from what was going on in my life um, and be in a place where I was not treated like an alien or like a monster just for existing. Um I mean, maybe I was an alien or a monster, but everyone loved that about me. <laughs> yeah, but, be a uh, beautiful alien. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> aliens, aliens are dope. <laughs> You mentioned a bit how your own parents gamed with you. Um, does your love of gaming influence your parenting style with your own kids? Heck yeah. My kids are big old gamers. Uh, my 11-year-old is a Minecraft and Fortnite junkie right now. Uh, oh, yeah. She is like the most incredible little architect in Minecraft. She and her uh, cousins, my nieces and nephews, uh, have their own realm. And a couple of my streamer friends' kids are also in there. So it's like a little protected uh, like online virtual playground for them. And she's currently working on a cherry blossom tree. Um, but she loves building and it's so cool to just see her her takes on things and her where she goes like my games don't really influence her games but my gaming influences her to feel comfortable and i've seen her come out of her shell because 2 years ago my kid was super shy mm-hmm. uh, like super super shy and she wasn't gaming i she didn't have an xbox yet 
And um, she just, everything was like, she was super quiet and she didn't want to talk about stuff. And then she got an Xbox and started talking to some people. And now she's like, hey guys, da, 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 da. and she's just uh. like this whole, like she's out of her shell. And she recently came out to me which was like this big thing. Uh, and it was yeah. on the front page of Twitch. I don't know if you saw that we did that. We oh, talked no. about it on the that's, front page oh, of Twitch. So cool. uh, yeah, for, for Parents Day. Um, oh. But we talked about her coming out story because there was a kid in my chat that came in and said, I'm thinking about coming out to my parents. Uh, what would you say if your kid came to you? And I said, Phoenix, let's talk about it. And she was like, okay. And she, I said, Phoenix, what did you, I say when you came out to me? She's like, I, I said that you love me no matter what. And that you're happy and that you love me and whatever I want to do, you love me regardless. I was like, yep. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes your parents might not do that. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay too. No matter what you're valid, like you are valid and you are loved somewhere. Even if your mm-hmm. parents are assholes, that's yeah. their loss, you know, like, and right. so I find gaming to be this way. I get to, I don't know. I, yeah. My parenting gets to come out and my five-year-old son, Minecraft junkie, my four-year-old daughter, she just turned four, Hello Neighbor Addict. So, yeah, and she likes spooky stuff. I know. She likes spooky stuff. She loves being scared, and I'm like, bro, you're four. But she loves being scared. Uh, like Fallon, and she's very precocious. But Fallon is, she loves, like, being terrified and pretending to be scared. And, like, she's hyper intelligent, and uh, which is, it's, it's tough. That's tough. Having a really smart kid, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she's I mean, a little yeah, bit of a genius. She's <laughs> playing Hello Neighbor at four. I feel like I can't even wrap my head around that game. <laughs> my kids love Hello Neighbor. They love Bendy and the Ink Machine. That's awesome. Like, ga- games I never would have played. But yeah, Fallon is big on Hello Neighbor on the Switch right now. So yeah, we, and my husband's a huge gamer. Um, you know, he uh, does deep machine learning and AI programming. So he's like mm. a huge nerd. Uh, he plays Final Fantasy fourteen. I think is his main game and Star Citizen. Mm. Uh, so like oh. super nerd, super nerd games, y'all. Super nerd. Games. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we're just a gaming family, and it's something that we like doing, and we like uh, tabletop mm. games a lot, like board games. We our board mm. game collections. I mean, wow. Jamie has a wooden version of Settlers of Catan, so um, yeah. yeah, we we love. I have a wooden. I have, I have a wooden Monopoly. Like I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Nice. Uh, nice. I got it from Target. I was really excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I think gaming with my kids is, it also just helps us or even just them playing has developed their intelligence mm. so much. My son had a very gross fine motor delay with his sensory processing disorder and working the controllers and stuff for Finley has taught him so much more control and also sensory processing he's what they call a seeker so he seeks like physical input and stimulation constantly 24 7 it mm. presents very much like severe adhd mm. pew, 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 pew. and video games just shh. Mm. and he's in it and he's able to focus so the the cathartic levels of what video games have done for my family is pretty great too that's awesome that's incredible um you know speaking of like the family coming together, gaming, uh, streaming. Like, you haven't been streaming for that long. It's only been a couple years, right? One year. One year. Yeah, oh, my goodness. One year. One year. So how did you get into screaming? Sh- screaming. How did you get into streaming? Um, and what's what's the story there? So I started out a couple years ago. 
And I tried to shoot my shot at streaming. And then mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with um, u- uterine cancer mm-hmm. and got very, very sick very, very fast. I have lupus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became emergent that I needed to have a hysterectomy and a whole bunch of other things immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. I found out and within three days. That's how fast it was. It was like, wow. hey, three days later, you know, I was going through a lot of health issues. And so... Uh, I kind of stopped streaming for a little bit because I had to basically take a year of getting my life back together to where I wasn't in uh, pain and stuff. But as I was going through my recovery, I was feeling very isolated. Um, Pain was just starting to be the thing that I focused on daily. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get out of my head with pain. Um, And I don't like pain medication. So it just affects me really badly, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So... I just couldn't do anything but like lay in bed and focus on pain. Mm -hmm. Well, I started playing games more and more and more. And I started realizing that gaming was cognitive behavioral therapy for me. Mm -hmm. Gaming was helping me deal with my anxiety and it was making me focus on something other than pain, which was allowing me cognitively to like, train myself to when I was gaming, not be focused on pain. So I was feeling less pain uh, as my therapist put it. Um, And so I started to realize like this was helping me. Um, And not only that, my depression was lifting. Like I was not feeling suicidal. I was not feeling stressed out. I was not feeling like I was impossibly crushed under the weight of my physical limitations. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I was going to start going live uh, on Mixer, because I started over on Mixer a year ago. And I started pushing that button and just going live and just talking to people. And I started to realize that I was making friends, like real yeah. genuine friends who cared about me and checked on me. Because when you're sick, like I am uh, chronically sick with lupus, people don't care uh, mm-hmm. to hear about your sickness all the time. Sometimes it can be a lot for people, which is fine. They have the option to opt out, but we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And talking about my pain or my disability is valid. Um, And I found communities of people who cared about it. And I found communities of people who were doing the same thing, who were chronically sick or who were ill or who were disabled, who were also gaming. And I was like, dang. And and I would have these conversations with people about things like race, uh, because it would come up, obviously, because I'm black. Or mm-hmm. they'd say something racist and I was able to talk to them. I'm like, bro, you know, you just said the N word. You do realize like I'm black. And they're like, no, I, I didn't know you were black. And it's like, yeah. And I started to realize that these conversations I was able to have and changing minds and uh, talking about tough stuff like prison because people were like, oh, yeah, I hope they kill him in jail, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I was able to like find these conversations and realize these people have probably never been exposed to someone like me in their life. Not that they were terrible people that they were terribly ignorant or uneducated. And I had a chance to talk to them. And I have changed a many a hearts through playing video games. Wow. And I started to realize that this was kind of what I wanted to start doing. And then I started to realize about talking about looking at streamers and I wasn't seeing myself reflected. I wasn't seeing fat black women at the top who are body positive and, you know, doing that stuff. And I was like, damn, like, where's, where's me? You know, like, and so I said, well, I guess I'm going to be me. And I want Phoenix to look, who's my daughter. I want Phoenix to look and be like, hey, there's me. Um, And my kids started looking up, like, 
black people playing Minecraft or black people playing this. And she couldn't find anybody. Mm. We eventually found a, a black Minecrafter, um, which was cool. Um, but like, it was a dig. Right. It was a very deep dig. And I guess that just kind of fueled my fire to, to start doing this and start putting myself out there. And the more that I started putting myself out there, I realized that there weren't people putting themselves out there as much as I was. There aren't people talking about their pain. Mm-hmm. their sadness, their joy, their traumatic life experiences, their race, what they're feeling like while they're gaming. Yeah. It just wasn't a thing that I saw anywhere. And so I'm just kind of out here winging it. <laughs> and uh, I I don't know. I, I just found a love that I did not know. And I am technologically deficient. <laughs> Uh, so it's definitely been a journey for me, mm-hmm. uh, making these productions from home. But as long as I can keep going, I feel like this is where I want to be. That's incredible. I mean, like, it's so true. Like, j- just because these sources, uh, like when you're saying trying to find uh, Black streamers who are playing Minecraft, like, it's not like there aren't Black folks out there playing Minecraft. It's just that the people who get the most attention are the people whose voices get uplifted. Like, I think it can be very easy to see the gaming community as this monolith of, like, cis white maleness. And um, I think that it's the space you're carving out is just just awesome. (laughs) I'm trying. I, I want to, you know, I, I think um, somebody said it to me the other day, like, you know, uh, and I, and I've kind of compared this before on other podcasts, but like, I'm looking at these people, me, me and Seti are not talked about this. I don't know if you know Seti or not, but Mm-mm. hysterical. If you're not following Seti or not on Twitter, guys, you are missing out on great greatness. Okay. Um, but Seti had me on his very controversial podcast and we Mm. talked about the reality of these things is i don't want to be like anybody else in streaming Mm -hmm. i got nobody to look up to i got pockets that i look up to i got money that i want to i want to get to that level of financial stability and success but as far as a physicality or a genre of streamer i don't got it so I'm just literally out here being like, I guess this is fitting to be me. Yeah. And hopefully I'm encouraging other people who don't have someone to look at to, to kick down the doors, mm-hmm. you know, lube up and slide through a window, baby. Like whatever <laughs> you got to do, you know, whatever you got to do to get in and make your space, take it, take mm-hmm. that space, take up space, take it up every chance you get. And mm-hmm. I want to encourage people that, you might not see you and that might feel really discouraging. And it does. There are days where I'm like, dang, do I want to fight? And then I remember there ain't nobody like me, baby. And there's other people sitting there looking for somebody. And if they can see my big old self and they can see me and hear me, then I might encourage them to push a little bit further. And you might be the next person to encourage someone to push a little bit further and you might be able to reach back and help someone else. So don't give up. Yes. Don't give up. I know that whiteness is overwhelming. It's overwhelming in every day of our life. It's overwhelming mm-hmm. in the media that we consume. It's overwhelming in our communities that we live in. It's overwhelming in our justice system. It's overwhelming in our healthcare system. Whiteness is so overwhelming and scary. And baby, 
we can still take up space, our own space. Mm -hmm. Dismantle white supremacy every chance you get. Baby, I'll pour a little sugar in white supremacy's gas tank every day. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Zombe. And and yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like we have to dismantle we have to abolish the white supremacists in our own minds, the one that speaks inside of us, telling us, you know. It's crazy that they have hijacked our internal monologues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is wild to me. wild that we have allowed them to hijack our internal monologue it's coded into people don't even talk about that Mm -hmm. yes they've hijacked our internal voices when you look at your body and you feel like blah 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 Mm -hmm. that's the white voice it Mm -hmm. really is that white voice is what told you that Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. you go oh i wish that my hair wasn't so curly why yeah why curly hair is fucking lit like Mm -hmm. Why is curly hair considered unmanageable? Mm-hmm. Why is white good and, and black bad? Mm-hmm. Baby, they have hijacked every part of our beings. Yes. On yeah. a cellular epigenetic level, they have traumatized us. Mm-hmm. It's now encoded into our genetics. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. Sugar in the gas tank every day. Burn it all <laughs> down. Maltov cocktail that shit out of your life. Love it. And, and we got to continue to do this. We got to continue to be loud take up space and not let them win. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking even you talking about how there aren't as many folks in, in even the gaming space, or I think in general, just showcasing um, pain and vulnerability and sadness and like just being honest in that way. And that, that to me is white supremacy culture, this idea that we have to be perfect, that we can't show our flaws, that we can't be vulnerable. That's how they're able to take over and colonize. They mm-hmm. don't show empathy. They don't mm-hmm. show weakness. Yep. They're able to colonize because they operate in inhuman ways. Yep. And that's. Yeah. It's yeah, dehumanizing is exactly what it it's is. Gross. It's gross. It's mm-hmm. gross. And so I'm going to try to just be a little humanized on your timeline. If you see me <laughs> and, and I know like a lot of brands aren't going to, aren't going to love me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I am not going to get the giant uh, sponsorship from, you know, whoever, because White supremacy is so prevalent. They don't see financial gain Mm -hmm. from my being. And baby, I'm priceless. Mm. They couldn't afford me if they wanted to. Mm. I got Logitech. Mm -hmm. They love my voice. They support my voice in ways y'all can't even imagine. Uh, When we talk about white supremacy in our Logitech meetings, oh, that's, I love to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you know we had like a little mixer and, Mm. They were all, we were all talking about things and, you know, activism and they were just nodding and happy in agreement. An Asian man is on the Logitech uh, partnerships management team. You know, I, there's disability, people with disabilities, uh, trans people in, in my group, black people, white people. I mean, anything you could think of blind gamers, you know, like completely disabled gamers. Uh, you know, I mean, we have everything in that Logitech sponsorship group. Mm-hmm. When I'm in that room, I feel like I am in like a diversity pamphlet. It is wow. like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All I mean, right. a lot of companies talk about diversity as if it's a special issue or something to be resolved in your spare time. But like, you have to integrate, like, like dismantling white supremacy involves changing like we said, the way you think, the way you mm-hmm. interact, the way you intake everything around you um, and question everything around you. And you can't do that unless you're 
you're immersing yourself in that work every single day. So I, I'm happy Logitech's to hear that Logitech's doing it. So, doing so if you're spending your money, spend your money with somebody who really does uh, walk the walk. Uh, I've realized in this space, there are a lot of companies that will use diversity as a way to garner consumers into spending money. And mm-hmm. fuck that. It's shitty. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. It's shitty. It's like rainbow consumerism. Ew. Yes. Gross. Gross. Shame on you. During Black History Month, mm-hmm. during the BLM resurgence, as I like mm-hmm. to call it, because uh, mm-hmm. this has been going on forever, everybody. Yeah. I hate to break it to y'all. Um, these companies, reach out to us. We'll help you. And then they ghost. They've ghosted mm-hmm. so many of my friends. Or, you know, they've rejected them for partnerships because we don't have the same metrics as Mm. our white peers. Of Mm. course, we don't have the same metrics. We make up 0.05% of gaming. Mm. Our metrics are going to be 0.05 numbers. How do you get metrics without platforms, like without people listening? It's disgusting to me. That's why I uh, a bunch of my friends got rejected for a specific brand that I will not name uh, mm. yesterday. Uh, it was all over Twitter. They mm. encouraged all these diverse people to apply and then rejected every single one of them. And some of those people are fantastic. Some of those people are so fantastic and doing work and are having their names in AAA titles yeah. and doing crazy stuff. And that brand rejected them. It's because that brand doesn't give a fuck about anything but numbers mm-hmm. and what they think financial gain is going to be versus actually supporting and uplifting and proving that their brand cares and showing that people of color have access to their brand. Yep. I'll tell y'all later, but I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't out them yet. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I want to <laughs> off yeah. the record. <laughs> they also they also pulled a sponsorship from a show I was on because they didn't want me talking about rights issues because it was too hot topic. So they too political. Yeah, it was the too p word. The p word. You know we hate that p word. Part of part of what we do on this show is we invite folks in to talk about a game that had a big emotional impact on them or, or influenced their life in some way. You shared with us um, that Ark Survival is a video game that had a big uh, effect on your life. Uh, for folks who don't have any context on the game, um, could you maybe say a couple sentences of what it's about? I've heard there's a lot of poop management. Uh, there's dinosaurs and cannons. <laughs> that's that's pretty much my all I know. <laughs> Uh, it's it's basically a survival simulation game. You're dropped on an island and you're like from a futuristic civilization, but you're dropped in like a prehistoric environment. You have to tame and raise and breed uh, dinosaurs to help you do like farm work and farm materials for you to progress so that you can survive. And then eventually you like can get lasers and all kinds of stuff. So you can go to like technologically advanced uh, stuff like with your dinosaurs, like dinosaurs shoot lasers at people and stuff. And it's pretty Mm. fun. Um, The servers are online and everything happens in real time. So here comes the time sink part. (laughs) Raising a dinosaur can take up to 30 days of your real time. Oh, and you have to hand feed them every like so many minutes or hours or else they starve and die. So even like when you go to bed, like a feeding trough could only like oh my God. food for like six hours before it spoils. Yeah. So you have to get up and feed your babies and like, well, I'm already stressed. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Um, I love time management games uh, and I love games that I can sink my whole existence into. And Ark is one of those games. People mm-hmm. have private servers, blah, blah, blah. I play on official servers and I play PVP, not PVE, because which means when you're sleeping, people are probably blowing into your base and killing all of your stuff, which yeah. sucks. Uh, uh, so I know life did for about four years of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't sleep. Skin was terrible. Uh, Gained a bunch of weight. (laughs) You know, whatever. But I I love that game. I just love it. I just, I've never found a game that stimulates me mentally and is so much of a challenge. And it has architectural building. It's got farming. It's got raising babies. It's got mutations and genetics Mm -hmm. in it. And then it's got Mm -hmm. war and strategy. It's got so many different things that you're never bored. There's also like a whole, like you can find the lore of the game through the game and you can fight Mm -hmm. bosses so that you can progress and get more Ingrams and stuff. So there's like that whole side part if you were doing it like strictly PVE. Um, But like the PVP part is like infinitely exciting. Like there's always something new. You've always got new enemies because people are jerks. Uh, And I just, I love it. I love it so much. And I've, the community's trash. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's filled with Mm. cis white assholes who are incredibly Mm. racist uh, and horrible. Uh, I -hmm. hope that one day Studio Wildcard cleans up their game Mm. because I love it so much. and I haven't met very many other African-Americans who play this game, mm. which I don't know why. Y'all, please get on the game and play with me. Uh, like, please. Uh, just like an all-black tribe of people would be so great. Like, it would be Yeah, great. like, I want to hear you say more about that. But speaking about tribes, like something that I have found really interesting about ARC, and especially after hearing you talk to us in this conversation today, um, is that it's a really hard game, especially in the beginning. Like, you're waking up completely oh. naked on a beach like you said it moves in real time so you could sink hours like five six seven hours into you know getting clothing making building a shack building Um, a shack takes hours and hours and then it's all destroyed and you're back to square one and what i found is that the people who um if, if that's your jam like if you have the patience and the 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 strength of will to to do that until you're successful like that's great but really if you can find a tribe, if you can join the same server and see the same people and form connections and build a community and and do it together, um, it becomes a much easier game. And I just think that that speaks a lot to your own uh, values as a, as a community builder, as an activist, as someone who makes connections, like you are um, what- correct. <laughs> nailing it, nailing it. That's literally arc was the game that I was playing when I was in bed and mm. I was not moving around a lot. And my pain was particularly bad. It was like during my lupus diagnosis, et cetera, as well. Um, and I had a baby. So four years ago, my lovely daughter was born Fallon and she was born three months premature. Mm. She was not supposed to live. Uh, mm-hmm. She was, uh, 14 ounces so she's smaller than a sprite can wow. okay now my biggest little chunk uh just so <laughs> now but like it was very traumatic she was in the NICU for 62 days I mean trauma 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 they were saying yeah. she was going to be blind that she might have you know learning disabilities I mean all these things which she has none of those uh you know but yeah. during that time I played ARC all the time because I couldn't go anywhere because my baby was so tiny and like yeah. I couldn't do anything and she mm-hmm. was so small and I started playing ARC and it was like taking my mind off of stuff. And I I am this mama. I am the tribe leader. I always mm-hmm. like go find out all the strays that people are picking on on a server. Like, mm. you know, like 
people like I'd find like some random girl and her boyfriend who are like being bullied by like this guy or like people who are just getting killed by raptors repeatedly on the beach and they can't progress at all. And I'm like, you want to come join a tribe? And I ended up having this tribe of 50 people. 50 people. And we ended up taking over the server. We were the alpha. That's what it's called when you're the biggest tribe on the server. And we were just like making sure people don't pick on the little guys and like, you know, (laughs) going and raiding like the the bros on the server, wiping them out for being assholes. (laughs) Saying like you know, you know, racist stuff. We'd go just blow up all their dinosaurs and trash talk them the whole time while they were sleeping, yeah. and be like, "Get wrecked, you know, like, <laughs> and and uh, it just became this like really fun, you know, world that I was living in, and like I was getting to be kind of a superhero, you know, and go yeah. and go help people, like go drop off care packages to like these these two little kids that you can hear oh. talking when you're in voice chat and they're like, Hey man, look at this. I tamed a dodo bird. And I like go and I like give them some dinosaurs. I'm like, here kid. And they're like, they're like, Oh my God, dinosaurs. And they were like my trash dinosaurs, but like they loved them because they didn't have any dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, I would run around in the game, like Santa Claus and just have a good time, you know, like, and I just started like managing these huge groups, which is where I learned about discord. I had never mm. used discord before. So, like, it taught me how to use Discord for a community because, obviously, we would have people in different parts of the world. Like, we'd have Australian tribe mate members so that people were on when we would go asleep. Like, mm-hmm. we had to, like, manage, you know, so people couldn't wreck us, like, while we were asleep. And, like, yeah. people checking in on raising babies. And, like, it fostered the sense of community in, in my person that I, I think I had lacked for a long time. And... I was able to learn skills while playing the game, like using a discord, which I now utilize that skill heavily as a streamer. Mm. Um, it's very important growing a discord and community. And so Ark taught me a lot and it got me through a lot. And it, some of the, my best friends in my life still right now from four yeah. and a half years ago are people that I met on Ark. They send my kids Christmas presents. Wow. Uh, they, you know, support me with my streaming. They talk to me, they call me on the phone and it'll be like, Hey, or blah, 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 you know, whatever. And cause we bonded cause we spent, you know, ridiculous amounts of hours together every single day. I mean, like literally sometimes 18 hours a day. Sometimes we wouldn't sleep if a raid can take three straight days with no sleep and we'd be like tapping yeah. in, tapping out. I mean, Ark is intense. You're literally like surviving in the wild with alongside these folks. I mean, yeah, that's you, a more coherent community than some I've had in real life. <laughs> exactly. And you yeah. get to see people's strengths and their weaknesses and how easily they get frustrated and mm. uh, what they're proficient at. Like you have to mm. find out what people in the tribe, like, hey, you're really great at taming. You're really good at doing this. Hey, you're really good at finding out information online when you've been watching YouTube videos on base builds. You're going to be our builder. Like, And you're able to just do these like levels of, you know, like this human behavior element that I I just love about the game. And I think if you haven't played the game, find somebody that you love and play the game with. And if you give it more than two, two days, you got it, give it two days and find somebody you love and just spend time playing the game with them. And you're going to have such a great time. Arc survival. It's It's the new couples therapy. It. Sometimes some people get divorced over ARC stuff. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've also seen people get married because of ARC. I've seen like people who met uh, the love of their life on ARC. And I don't know. I love it so much. Uh, It's one of my like dream communities to go be like a community dev or something for. Like I would love Mm -hmm. it so much because I love the game, Mm -hmm. but also it's really got toxic communities, which is why Mm -hmm. I would really love to be a community dev uh, because I think they need help. (laughs) 
They need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like who hurt the you? Our community needs Jesus. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. They need a whole <laughs> woo. As a as a, I would go in there and arc mama the hell out of that community. Mm. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I just think they need to implement a lot more safety practices for their users. Um, mm-hmm. They've been recently working very hard to combat cheating, which I enjoy mm. a lot. I love that about them because um, it took them, you know, three years to implement like cheating mechanics mm-hmm. arc. Um, more focused on giving us new dinosaurs than like fighting cheaters who would like yeah, yeah. go underneath the map and blow your base up from underneath the map, like while no. you're sleeping. And I was like, Ark, hey, like, but I wish that they would combat racism and uh, misogynistic and anti LGBTQIA comments, etc. Like, I wish they would combat hate much more severely. Mm-hmm. Um, they combat cheating pretty severely, but they don't combat hate at all mm-hmm. uh, that I've ever seen. I've never seen a hate enforcement go down with them. So um, I think their community needs to get much, much better with hate uh, mm. management. Um, and I need, I think they need to work with Xbox on that. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you, uh, that there's folks like you in there, um, you know, pushing back on that kind of toxicity with your own space. And if need be, cleaning out the trash. Uh, by Taking hand. them out, man. We take them <laughs> out, baby. Bye, Chad. Um, <laughs> bye. Bye. survival games typically or is arc like a yes. special case for you i think arc and- turned me into enjoying survival games but i do like survival games um i like survival and simulation games i'll say those are my main uh bread and butter like because mm-hmm. i like time management uh like i said since i'm using it as like cognitive behavioral therapy things where mm-hmm. i'm sinking massive amounts of time into is better for me to stay fluid right like with what I'm doing. So if something's incredibly immersive and my brain's having to think here, 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 and here, my brain's not thinking about pain. Um, oh, and so I love that. Um, my, my, my disability just becomes something that is away from me uh, the whole time. So I, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Sometimes I'll get off and then all of a sudden it'll hit me at one time, which is mm. kind of a problem. Mm. But the, the fact of the matter is I went 10 hours pain free, you know, or I went five hours pain free, which I've, learned very much recently on Twitch how to manage my streaming length mm. on Mixer. I would do like 10, 12 hour streams like all wow. the time because Mixer had such bad discoverability. It was like, I felt like I was grinding to be seen mm. and exist. Mm. Whereas on Twitch, I'm just like, maybe you get three hours. And after that three hours, I, I hope y'all have a good night. Um, <laughs> yeah. My body's more important. My body yes. can do three hours. And with three hours, I feel super safe, good and comfortable. You know, and I feel good the next day. So I also learned how to listen to my body this year. I think this year has been my like, nope, we ain't doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to survive through and beyond this year, you've got to learn how to protect your your energy, protect your uh, space, your boundaries. I, I'm really glad that you were able to have that this year. I think this year for me has been, and I it feels weird saying this, but this has been a great year for me. Good. <laughs> it's been good. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have lupus, so the pandemic's incredibly, like, I'm scared. I'm Mm -hmm. very scared. I mean, I literally could get the flu and die. I could get a cold and die. I'm on immunosuppressive stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is terrifying. But uh, staying home all the time is right up my alley. Uh, (laughs) Getting to play video games and get to come on cool podcasts like this, right up my alley. Um, And uh, getting to talk about 
and I know this sounds terrible, but seeing the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement go more um, mainstream has also been really mm-hmm. great for me because I'm an activist and very much outside of Twitch. You know, like yeah. I'm on the, I'm on a board of directors for Justice and Maternal Support, which is we focus on like advocating for you know unshackling. Uh, of women who are pregnant and Mm -hmm. in prison giving birth. We focus on, you know, making sure that people aren't experiencing birth trauma in our state, et cetera. I spoke at my Capitol about it. I work with Mississippi prison reform. I'm working to help raise money for draw a smile, which is helping people with food stability. So like these types of things are important to me and seeing it go more mainstream means that I got a chance to shine for the things Mm -hmm. that I already do, which means I get a platform to raise more awareness while people think this is very vogue. Um, And it's kind of sad that it's vogue, Mm -hmm. but it's also great for me because I'm going to monopolize this as much as I can to raise money for the things that I think are important. And I'm going to grab all the bags that I can for the things that I love and dip out because I might not be here tomorrow. Life is short. Um, And I'm just trying to change my personal community. You won't see me doing a ton of fundraising for like national things um, because I have a very specific, like you, you, you've stated, I have a very specific idea of community. And when I talk about community, I want to enact real change in my direct environment. I want to see people fed in my city. I want to see people finding homes in my city. I want to see children having access to technology in my state. I want to see prisoners, uh, you know, being able to have equal opportunities and regain their rights to vote. In my mm-hmm. state, because change starts in your community. I can't be out here trying to operate at a national level while my local community is in crisis. And um, when I'm doing my Twitch fundraisers and stuff like that, like I support a business called Offbeat and Jackson. It, you'll see me like on Twitter, like throwing out a code for them. They are the only black owned comic book store in the entire state. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. It's our only blurred safe space. It's yeah. our only safe space. He does workshops for kids for art. He does Gundam workshops. He does, you know, he gives free comic books out to kids. He does like record workshops because he also sells like vintage records and collectible toys. He has lets hip hop artists come and perform there. He does a stand up comedy night. I mean, his venue is like a literal cultural venue. Uh, we call it a culture shop. Yeah. And it's the only one we have here. And during COVID, it's been devastated. Uh, so mm-hmm. I partnered up with him and was like, hey, let's like start raising money for you guys once a month. You know, I'll showcase all the dope stuff you have in your store because I know how my nerd friends shop and buy that stuff anyways. Instead of going to Hot Topic, they should come through you, you know, and I've been trying to push that. And uh, I'm going to be on the 20th, the 19th, uh, raising money for Draw a Smile, which is one man here in Mississippi, one guy started a 501c3. He's literally feeding the homeless with his own money out of his own pockets wow. every Saturday. Wow. Like right now, he's live in Smith Park where we live, mm-hmm. single-handedly feeding hundreds of homeless and hungry people. Wow. Uh, Jackson is 80-something percent black. I think it's like 87 percent black. Uh, surrounded by white communities. It's nestled within white communities. And Mississippi segregation is very, very real Mm -hmm. uh, and extreme here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So nobody cares about black people here. They just Mm -hmm. don't. Uh, And I hate to say it, but as a person who lives here, as a person of color, I live a pretty fearful life of interacting Mm -hmm. with like law enforcement or anything at this this point. Mm -hmm. But he single-handedly goes out and feeds the homeless. And one in every four people in Mississippi are suffering from food instability. Because as you all probably know, we are Mm -hmm. the poorest state 
right? Um, mm-hmm. And we have the most food instability per capita, like for the number of people, because we're 35th in the nation for populace. So mm-hmm. we're pretty far down the list for populace. Mm-hmm. And then high on the list for food instability. Um, I know a lot of people that don't even have running water here in Mississippi. You would see mm-hmm. houses that you didn't think existed in the United States here. Mississippi is filled with poverty. Um, mm-hmm. And Bilal just goes out and he's feeding people. But not only is he feeding people, Bilal's feeding people in the middle of a pandemic. He didn't yeah. stop and worry about his own safety, uh, which is wild, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. we need him. He's still out there feeding the homeless every Saturday. That's what he does with his days. I know people want to donate to these national companies, but I, we don't know where all the money gets spent all the time. And I find that problematic. We also don't know who they endorse, like right. politically. We don't, we just don't know so many things about so many national companies right. because when things are hidden behind such major paywalls, I feel like right. it gets a little shifty and it becomes stretched thin and I don't feel the Im- we don't feel the impact of betterment, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I know I personally, think, yeah. I, I've donated to Salvation Army, and when I was homeless at a point in my life, and went to Salvation Army looking for a place to live, they wouldn't give me a place to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I literally have... had a baby and showed up mm-hmm. at, abused, uh, battered. I was a battered woman at the time. I was escaping domestic violence and trying to find a place to live. And they told me because I had a kid, I couldn't stay at their that shelter in particular and that they didn't have another place that they could do. And then they were trying to tell me all these things that were just impossible, that were going to make it harder and make me stay in more poverty. Uh, And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And that was when I stopped giving to Salvation Army Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. when, when I realized that. But yeah, like, I don't know. There's. Something about working locally that I think a lot of people need to start doing. And I would love mm-hmm. to see a lot more streamers like Dr. Lupo, um, Jack Septiguy, you know, um, Tim the Tapman, whoever, whoever's out here who's just going to raise money for stuff. I, I, I implore them to locally give as much as they can and stay away from national giving. Um, I think that if we all focused a little more inward, and I know that maybe sounds selfish, but it's not. If we would turn our eyes into our own communities. We could change the very place we walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I want to do that. Like, Hey, you know, if you've got the money, you raised 2 million for a tournament, take that to your local elementary school in an mm-hmm. urban neighborhood and drop it off. Right. Like, are you like, like, I think you're absolutely right. Like, like, like direct impact, direct giving, changing someone's life who is right next to you versus like, I'm assuming people give money to national charities because that's what they want to do on a national scale. But it's like, I don't know, there seems to be this stigma around like, oh, donating to someone's cash app is not on the same level as like giving to the Red Cross. And it's like, well, actually, if you if you looked into where that money that you're giving the Red Cross goes, like a, like a percentage point of it actually goes towards helping people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you really care about all Black lives or Black trans women, houseless cash people, app somebody. Like fucking cash app somebody. Throw caution yes. to the wind and, and just cash app a Black trans woman today. Like, Why have we <laughs> gotten to the point where giving to our neighbor Mm-hmm. has to be questioned 
right? Mm-hmm. Oh, are they deserving enough for me to give to them? Mm-hmm. Are they doing the mm-hmm. things that we deem respectable enough for me to give to them? Mm-hmm. Are they going to spend that money on the things that I believe that they should spend that money on? Whatever happened to just giving to give and not mm-hmm. questioning? And not give giving. I don't give a damn if I give to you and you go buy yourself wine because who knows why you bought yourself wine? Exactly. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, where you've been. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that wine does for you. I don't know if that wine is your comfort that helps you get through and fight your demons for the day. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if you went and bought a video game because Lord knows I've used video games for escape and respite. Mm-hmm. Zombie kills. Um, thank you so much for sharing space with us today. I feel like every word from your mouth is gold and we have been (laughs) honored to um, have an hour of your time today. Last question. um, Where can people find you? What are, drop your links for us. I am on twitch.tv backslash zombie kills Z O M B A E K I L L Z. I'm on Twitter zombie kills, same spelling. I'm on Instagram zombie kills, same spelling guys. Guess what? If you Google me, you can find out where I am period. I've got great, great brand recognition. Just hit me up. Come follow me. I'd really love to have you. Come join my community. Catch a stream. Um, Don't come in expecting A-plus gaming, but do come in expecting A-plus entertainment. Time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you enjoyed this episode, we would very much appreciate it if you could rate us and review us on your podcast application of choice. It does make a world of difference, especially for a little baby podcast like us. If you want to reach out to us, maybe you've got a great story about a game that changed you, a guest recommendation, a question, or even just a comment for us, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us by email at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com. And hey, who knows, if you write us something interesting, we may just have to read it on the show sometime. Mm-hmm. You can stay up to date on all things Pixel Therapy, like announcements of upcoming guests, clips of unreleased episodes, and whatever else tickles our fancies by following us on Instagram and Twitter at pixeltherapypod. Finally, uh, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, where our collective mouth is, (laughs) we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, Think of these as ideas for how you can get involved in your own community or on a national scale. Um, As Zombe did an amazing job talking about, um, we just wanted to remind you uh, about Draw a Smile in Mississippi, um, Jackson, Mississippi, to be specific. Draw Smile, you can visit them at drawsmile.org. That's D-R-A-W-S-M-I-L-E.org. Um, they are providing much-needed, necessary, um, brave work, uh, providing food solutions, um, shelter, consulting, volunteering um, to unhoused folks um, and folks who are hungry in Jackson. Um and thank you again to Zombe for letting us know about this awesome, awesome organization. Um, again, you can donate to Draw Smile at drawsmile.org. Yes. Thank you, Spencer. It's a great organization. Uh, and that's our show. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more pixel therapy. 